0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Really glad you're here. I love, I love, I love being with you all. I missed this last week. Last Sunday, we were just virtual, and I was, you know, I felt so alone on the internet, but... Many of you were online, and that was wonderful, and it was it was great. But I want to encourage you, uh, if you did not get to hear that word last week, maybe you were traveling whatever, it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's called uh, Time to Thrive and Cultivate, or Cultivate and Thrive, rather. And it's all about really letting the Lord bring in new soil and new uh, fertilizer and new fuel for what He has already planted instead of just plucking up things and starting over. And I really felt like that was a word for our. Church like the, this church so if you call yourself a part of the resting place, I really want you to hear that so if you go back and listen to it um, it'll be great and I just feel like it'll, it'll help you set yourself up for this coming year in, in the way the Lord would have us so really excited about what God's going to do uh, one announcement we didn't actually have in the in the slides and things like that so I get to do it is actually that next week my spiritual mama is going to be in the house Winnie Banoff will be speaking. You do not want to miss that. If you don't know Winnie, you're about to find out. <laughs> you think I'm a little wild? Yeah, I am the calm version. <laughs> okay, she is a riot. She's been just drunk with joy for like 27 years, and uh, the wine keeps getting better, as uh, Scott just mentioned. And anyway, it's going to be a a bliss bomb's going to go off in here next week. So. It's gonna be amazing. If you want the joy of your salvation to be known, you should come next week for sure. And bring somebody. Bring a really grumpy Christian. See what happens. It'll be. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe you're a grumpy Christian. I don't know, but whatever. You're gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be powerful. She'll be with us in the nine and the eleven fifteen. So, uh, make sure to come just to one of them, please. Just one of them, because we'll be packed in here. We don't want to um, break fire marshal. Codes and stuff like that. So, anyway, I am excited for this year. I'm really excited, and I feel like that's such a good word from you, Pastor Scott, about uh, when the Lord says abundance. You know, it's time to trust that His word is is the abundance, right? That when He says it, He creates it. When God speaks, He creates, right? So we're just saying yes to that. We're not striving our way in. We're not trying to figure it out. We're not doing the math. We're just saying yes, Lord. And we're going. Amen. So there's a few things the Lord's laid on my heart for this new year. Some new there are some new things we're going to do, uh, but I'll I'll talk to my staff first before I tell all of you. So I'm learning to do that. <laughs> They're like they we have meetings and like, hey Caleb, that was really great when you announced that thing we're all going to do to everyone else. That was awesome. When you told all of them what we're going to do. Uh, and we didn't know about it. I'm like Oh, yeah, that's that's out of order. Like, yeah, it would be helpful if you told us first. So you just have to wait, okay? <laughs> anyway, I am excited because I, what did you say? Process, proper pro- progress. Yeah, Scott's like, yay, he's learning. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're all learning from each other. Amen? Amen. That's good. I like it. So this morning, I do have a word. I I got it while in silence, and this is going to be a reminder for many of you, and I hope it's a happy one. Uh, It's a happy one for me. I preached myself happy in the 9 a.m. for sure, but I felt from the Lord to give a state of our union address, to give you a reminder of your union in Christ, and to settle it one more time that that is the truth of the gospel. And so I want to just start with a statement, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to read a lot of Scripture, so buckle up, okay? You ready? And I've been encouraged recently by my team to be my raw, unfiltered, sassy self. So here we are, first Sunday of the year. (laughs) We'll see if they encourage it during the week after this. We'll see. Anyway, I'm saying yes to that. But here's the truth. You ready? Because of Jesus... We are one with the three-in-one now and forevermore. That is the truth that you might never have heard in church. (laughs) It's one of the best-kept secrets in Christianity. (laughs) And I'm going to prove that statement to you over and over and over for the next 30 minutes or so. Okay? Are we good with that? Because of Jesus, not because of you, not because of me, not because of our faith, not because of anything But because of Jesus, we are one with the three in one, now and forevermore. The Trinity has invited us into the cosmic dance of the universe. And we are grafted into his person as one, like a bride and a bridegroom. Amen? All right, we have agreement before I even use the scripture. That's good. Father God, I pray today that you would be made manifest through your word, that your person of the word would be made known and felt through the preaching of your word. Father, we thank you. We ask for (laughs) a divine encounter with your person. Lord, we say yes to you, sweeping us off of our feet and wooing us into your heart, into depths of what we think we already know. (laughs) we pray for today's speaker. We bless him abundantly. (laughs) We thank you for him. (laughs) Ask you to let him stand up during the rest of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. This is going to be a table-holding sermon. I can feel it. This is a keep-yourself-upright sermon. I got woozy there for a minute. It's the truth that Jesus has finished it. It is finished. What is it? It. That is the question. What is it that he finished? Well, the truth of the gospel is that we are one with the three in one right now. And we always will be forevermore. I'm going to prove that to you. And I'm going to take you all the way back to the incarnation. I need you to understand, our union begins with the incarnation. The incarnation is God putting on human form. God becoming flesh. Just like John chapter 1 says, the Word was with God in the beginning. The Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So the Word is Jesus. The person of the Word is Jesus. It's in the first three verses of Genesis. It says, um, God uh, spoke and let there be light. The, sp- the speaking was Jesus. The spirit that was hovering over the water was the spirit. And God, Elohim, is the Father. So we have Father, Spirit, Son. We have all three right there. This is a Trinitarian perspective, and I understand. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm going to say some stuff on live stream today because I just don't care. I am Trinitarian plus, if you have to say it that way, because the book of Revelation tells us there's seven spirits of God, but somehow those are unfolded into one. It's just heaven's math, okay? It's one times one times one equals one, and there are seven, the sevenfold spirit of God, just so you know. It's in Isaiah 11, the spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of the fear of the Lord. Anyway, that'll get you in trouble if you repeat that, so be careful, but we believe in the Trinity, amen? We do. It's not a word in the Bible, but it's a concept that's made evident from Genesis to Revelation. Got it? Yes? Okay. But our union with that trinity, our union, our oneness with the three in one begins with the incarnation. It doesn't begin with your efforts. It doesn't begin with your church attendance or your understanding of the scriptures. Oh my God, we have made the understanding of the scriptures an idol in the church. We have made the way we understand the Word an idol. We worship our understanding more than we worship the Word itself. Many times. And it's a trap because you're called to understand. You're called to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. We're called to have a logical mind. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says the word logos for truth. It's where we get logos, I can't even say it. It's Greek. All right. But it's the word for where we get logic from. So, Jesus is actually the most logical being on the planet. We just have a lower level of logic. Our logic isn't at his level, and it needs to be. The point being, you're not supposed to throw out your brain when you open your Bible. So many people turn off their brain when they open their Bible, and they just read, 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 and they don't think at all. You're called to think through these things. Amen? But you're thinking through it. You're grasping it. You're understanding it's not the beginning of your union with him. That is not the beginning of your union with him. The incarnation was the beginning. The story begins when God was born in human form. When Jesus put on one of these meat blankets as a baby, okay, and exited a birth canal and was raised by humans, that was the beginning of our union. That was the first inst- instance of God and man dwelling as one. The Colossians uh, chapter 2 says, The whole fullness of the deity dwelt in him bodily. Think about that for the next 25 years. The whole fullness of the deity dwelt in Christ bodily. That means, that means get with me, when Jesus was on the cross, so was the Father, so was the Spirit. So many have a horrible theology, a wrong application of substitutionary atonement, a wrong application. I believe in substitutionary atonement. I don't believe in all the applications, okay? All right, what I mean by that is Jesus is the one that was in our place, amen? But I'm not the guy who says the father killed his son and he liked it. It's terrible. The father was on the cross. How can I say that? Isaiah 9, 6, calls him the everlasting father, And Colossians 2, two witnesses in the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Check me, bro. It says the whole fullness of the deity dwelt in him bodily. So the union, the truth of union between God and man began with the incarnation. I'm going to prove that to you. Are you ready? Because Jesus was fully God, always will be, always was, always is, and he was fully man. Are you with me? Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Say the likeness of men. That's the beginning right there. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. We're talking about God here See, some people apply this passage to say, because Jesus died and rose again, He was exalted into a place of honor. No, no, no. He has always been in the place of honor. He always will be. He is God. Because He did what He did, we now get to see Him in His rightful place. We don't seat Him in heavenly places. We see Him in heavenly places. Because of what he did, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There will be a knowledge of who he has always been. Are you with me? It didn't gain him some status by doing this. That's actually a heresy. It's a well-known, well fought heresy. It didn't gain him anything. It expressed him. The love of God made manifest. The person of God made known in Christ Jesus in his death, burial, and his resurrection. Come on, somebody. It was his expression, and now we can say, there's the Lord of all. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is Lord of all. I'm just looking for, like, religious demons right now. I'm just trying to find them, poke them right in the nose. Ah, no, it doesn't say that. Yes, I'm telling you, this is what it means. And we're going to jump to some of the, some of the, things that were caused by this, the impact on us, okay? Romans 8, 1 through 3. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, so now, speaking of what Jesus did, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. Who's that, I wonder? (laughs) Come on. Who is that? Anybody? Me. You. That's right. Those who believed on him. This is what you believe, by the way. This is what it means to believe. You're believing this. (laughs) That he became man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Come on. I'm going to keep reading it. It says, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us. Has liberated us. One more time, has liberated us from the law of sin and death for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form, in human form. Our union begins with the incarnation. He sent his son in union form. I lost my place on my iPad. Where is it? Uh, to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity, clothed with humanity. See, he's wearing a meat blanket. That's what, it's biblical. Clothed with humanity. God's Son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. You're just, it's not that we're just not guilty. We are free from the power of sin. He condemned the guilt and power of sin. You say, well, why do we sin? Because you don't believe what I just said. It's pure old unbelief. Temptation comes. If you believe it has any power over you, you'll fall to it. You believe it has none, you won't. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. I just want to say a few things, and then I'll get to my actual sermon. This is the introduction. I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. Are you ready? Jesus did not just pay for the sins of the world. He became the sin of the world. He didn't just pay for the sin of the world. That is a partial, incomplete, inadequate gospel. It says, Jesus forgave your sin. No, Jesus became sin. Sin. He didn't just forgive it, he became it. You know, Paul said that anyone, if anyone preaches another gospel, even myself or an angel, let God's curse be upon them. You want know, to know why churches are dying? They're cursed. We're preaching partial, incomplete, other gospels. It's not the gospel Paul proclaimed. It's not. Not in mass, I'm telling you. We are taught. There's a separation between us and God. We believe as best we can now. And if we keep on believing, we'll close the gap one day when we die. That's what's taught. That's not the gospel. The life of the believer does not end in union with Christ. It begins there. It begins there with nothing of your effort or doing because our union began with his incarnation. The door was open when he took on our form. Are you okay? I'll, I'll paraphrase Adam Clark, he's one of my favorite, uh, common, he wrote a commentary on the whole Bible, highly recommend it. Methodist dude, amazing dude, Clark with an E at the end. He's, this is, it's old English, so it's hard to read sometimes, but here's a paraphrase of what he said, okay? He said, if we're waiting till death to be free from sin, then we've crowned death our Savior and not Christ himself. Yes, I can repeat that. No problem, sister. If we are waiting until death to be set free from sin, then we have crowned death our Savior and not Christ himself. How many of you expected to sin this past week? Be honest. Yeah, yeah. A few of you are being honest. Good. Yeah. That's called failing by faith. But we have not been taught. We've not been, it's not been proclaimed in our hearing nearly enough. This might become like my first week of the year message forever. I don't know. Like just to remind us. This is what it says. Well, I just told you that he didn't just pay for the sins of the world. That's the gospel that's preached, the gospel of forgiveness. I'm talking about the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom is at hand. He didn't just say forgiveness is at hand, but that's all we say and we stop. That's a partial gospel. It's incomplete. It's way better than that. Way better. He became the sin of the world. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 20-21. It says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what I'm doing. I'm imploring you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Meaning, let the account settle. Let it be a true accounting of what happened. Let there be a true alignment with his work and how it affects you. Be reconciled to God this morning. For our sake, say our, for our sake. He made him to be sin. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. To be sin who knew no sin. So that, say so that. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin. Think of your worst sin. Call it to memory. He became it. He didn't just forgive it. He became it. And he took it to hell with him. And he, it was not of his own. So he's able to stand in hell, look the devil in the face and say, all this sin I'm carrying, it, carrying none of it's mine. Give me the keys. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and ascended, leading a host of captives with him. That's Ephesians 4. That's how he took your sin into the grave. He didn't just forgive it. He became it and took it to hell, buried it there forever. And you're never going to see it again. Jesus didn't just become our sin. He became a curse for us. This is what the Bible declares. He became a curse for us so we could receive his spirit. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Come on. You know, Jesus was cursed for you. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's the a non-Jewish world. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. He became us, human, incarnated. He took on our sin and he bore the curse of the law. The curse of the law is here's the rules, good luck. You'll never get it right. Trying to be righteous by doing right things. All right? And none of us can do that. And yet he did it as a human, flawless, spotless lamb, led to slaughter, becoming not just the sin sacrifice, but cursed. He was cursed. When we begin to believe that stuff, we can step into being a fruitful branch, a fruit-bearing people. But if we believe in the separation, the gap that we have to reach for God, we're not going to bear fruit. That's the introduction to my sermon. Are you all ready? I'm not exaggerating and I have to speed up, but here we are. Here's another statement for you to deal with. I don't know. The life of the believer, I said, it does not end in union with Christ. It begins there. It begins there. The life of the believer does not end in union with Christ. It begins there. It's not when we all get to heaven one day. I don't know about you, but I'm seated with him in heavenly places right now. I just believe that stuff. The work of God is to believe. You know this? It's John six twenty nine. The work of God is to believe. And it's work. It's called the fight of faith. It's the only work, the only fight you're supposed to have. You fight that fight. You do that work, everything else will be all right. But this is from the mouth of Jesus. This was his prayer. i got to ask you a question. How many prayers of Jesus don't get answered? How many of his prayers get answered? All of them. He's kind of got a direct line, you know, to himself. He's like, hey, Father me. Hey, Son me. I want some stuff. You got it. Thanks. Let's see what he asked for. John 17, 20 through 26. I've endeavored to memorize John 17 this year, by the way. And you can do it with me, any translation you want. But the challenge is on first to memorize John 17. Let's make it a race. I like that kind of thing. So I'm inviting you into that. Whatever. If anybody wants to go with it, this is a powerful chapter of the Bible. It's God talking to God. And we get to listen. Amazing, right? So he said this. I, This is Jesus. I do not ask for these only, the people right in his disciples right there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you hear that? The glory that you have given me, I've given to them. And they may be one. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Did you hear that? The way the world's going to know that Jesus is God is if we believe we're one with him, and one with one another, and we love each other like God loves himself. goes on to say, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I believe that prayer got answered. I believe that you are in him. I believe that those who believe access the realm of his fullness in a real intangible way. I believe Jesus is standing in my shoes right now, imploring you to believe him. The Bible says if anyone speaks, let them speak as an oracle of the Lord. That means like a puppet, like he's got me like a puppet. That's what my prayer is every single Sunday. This is just a puppet show. Okay? Hopefully better than the Muppets. I don't know. You know? (laughs) I believe Jesus is sitting in the chair of every single believer. You start acting that way, like how are you going to talk to Jesus? That's how you should talk to your neighbor. How are you going to talk to Jesus? That's how you should look in the mirror. You're not Jesus. You're not God, thank God. And I'm not God, thank God. But we are one with the three in one now and forevermore because of what Jesus has done. And he prayed that we would be one with him in the same way he's one with the Father. You and Jesus are not like this. If you're listening on podcasts, I have my fingers crossed. You and Jesus are not tight. You're not close. He's not just your homie. You and Jesus are like this. You're one. One. You're not just covered in the blood, you're cleansed and transformed by the blood. You have the blood. You've taken the blood in; it's become a part of who you are now, and you're like, "Nah," and I'm like, "Are you a believer or not?" It's really two camps here: believer, unbeliever. <laughs> but believer in what? Some of us have believed a partial gospel. I'm just forgiven, covered in the blood. God loves me. I don't know why, because I suck. That's not the gospel, my friends. The gospel is, (laughs) I would ask that they would be one with us in the way we are one. Come on. The new covenant is the internal habitation of God. It's our union with Christ. The old covenant was external. Here's the rules. Do them. And here's how I'll act towards you if you follow the rules. Here's how I'll act towards you if you don't follow the rules. And it's going to be different. You do good. I'll be good. He you do wrong, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do what I got to do to stop you from doing wrong. You're going to have wrath. That is not the new covenant. Hebrews 8, 8 through 13 says, But God revealed the defect and limitation of the first, that's talking to the first covenant, when he said to his people, Look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant. It will be an entirely different covenant. Say entirely different. An entirely different covenant than the one I made with their fathers when I led them by my hand out of Egypt. For they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I rejected them, says the Lord. He's saying, I'm not going to do a covenant where you're unfaithful and I reject you anymore. Because the first covenant was between God and man. The new covenant is between God and God. It's between God the Father and God the Son, enacted by the Spirit, and you're grafted in by marriage. He says, it will not be like that. He says, here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be their loyal God, and they will be my loyal people. I'm going to put myself in there. And in case you're wondering, we are the wild olive branch grafted in. Okay, we're the wild branch. The Gentiles are called the wild branch grafted into the olive tree. The tree is Israel. The scriptures declare a mystery. It says all of Israel shall be saved. But Jesus said, just because you, you claim to be sons of Abraham doesn't make you son. I can raise up sons of Abraham from these rocks. doesn't matter. We're not replacing Israel. Hello? We're grafted in. Are you with me? So when he talks about the Israel, we're talking about the Israel of God. The, those of the faith of Abraham who believe God and it was accounted to them as righteousness. Are we okay? I know I'm unpacking like seven theological concepts right now. But came with steaks this morning. I don't know. I'm tired of the milk. Here's the steak. kind of. Just, so, all right. He says, I will be their loyal God, and they will be my loyal people. And the result of this will be that everyone will know me as Lord. There will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers, saying, You should know the Lord Jehovah, since everyone will know me inwardly. Say inwardly from the most unlikely to the most distinguished, for I will demonstrate my mercy to them and will forgive their evil deeds and never remember again their sins. This proves that by establishing this new covenant, the first is now obsolete, ready to expire, about to disappear. Expired. It's like that commercial. Expired. Expired. She's taking the stuff out of the cabinet. It's like, expired. You know, the mother-in-law comes over and is like, These pickles are expired. She's throwing it. That's what it's like. The old covenant is just expired. Expiration date reached. Okay. So what's the impact of all of this? Are you ready? This is rapid fire now because I got to finish here. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more scriptures to read to you. Are you ready? Here's the takeaway. You need to understand that our old self is completely and forevermore gone. And our new self is one with God. You can act like the old self is still here. You're capable of acting, but you're just a bad actor. But it doesn't change the truth of who you are because of what Jesus has done. What are we believing? Like, believe Jesus. Believe Jesus what? Believe what about Jesus? He died and rose again. Yeah, but what did that do? It's not just that he died and rose again, that nothing happened. Like, yeah, we believe that happened. No, something happened because of it. That's what all these scriptures proclaim. There was impact on the human race. There was a way to be truly human again. You understand the human race did not start fallen and wretched. It started like God and very good. Read your Bible. Genesis, he created mankind, humankind, in his image and his likeness. He made humankind in his image and his likeness, and he called it very good. Your true self is not wretched and wrong and terrible. It's like God and very good. That's your true humanity. We have robbed ourselves of the good news by saying the highest thing we can hope for is forgiveness. I'm grateful for forgiveness. Oh my Lord. Anybody else? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing it out. I'm saying it's not the end of the story. If anyone on Facebook wants to really be upset, I want you to call a recapitulationist. There you go. Theological term. Adam... All the sins of the, the devil and all that stuff, I believe Jesus recapped it. Here's a recap. Recapitulation. It means he outdid, undid, overdid, redid everything Adam did. And all of the things that were done, Jesus undone them. There you go. Our old self is gone. Our new self is one with God. That's the truth. You're like, I don't act like that. It's because you don't believe it. It's because you're not working on your beliefs. The work of God is to believe what I'm telling you. Rapid-fire scripture, some of my favorites. Are you ready? Galatians 2.20, out of the Passion Translation, just to keep it fresh. He says, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as, help me, one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me, dispensing His life into mine. You're a vessel for holy use. What's the holy use? Carrying Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I just believe that. There's more. Don't, don't worry. Wait, there's more. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You understand? You weren't on that cross, but He was as you. Get this. Get this. Come on. I can feel like illumination about to break in on somebody right now. You were not on the cross, Right? Anyone here ever been crucified, physically crucified? No? Okay. None of us were physically on the cross. He was on the cross as you. Not just for you, but as you. That's how we can say our old self was crucified with Him because He took our self on Himself. He was incarnated, brought into human form. He took on our sin, became it, and then He was cursed, All of us was there on him, with him, in union with him. We know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Jump down to verse 10, Romans 6, 10 through 11. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself. I'm sorry, doesn't sound like a suggestion. So you also must think of yourself this way. How many have been so disobedient to think of themselves as dirty, wretched wrecks? How many... I'm trying to honor everyone. How many people with a pulpit have declared death over the bride and say, you're going to die daily? Stop it. You're called to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God forevermore. You're called to live daily for his pleasure. Life and life abundantly. Oh, Jesus. There's a reason Paul cursed these, that those people out. He cursed them out. He did. He said, let God's curse be upon those who change this message. I just don't want to be cursed. I don't, know. don't curse me out, Apostle Paul, from the cloud of witnesses, you know. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. That's your story too. That's my story. That's not true of my history, Caleb. Well, just become a believer today. What happens when you believe this stuff? Something. There's a switch flipped on the inside. And even if... 1 John chapter 2 says, if any one of you sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the Lord. Sin is an if, not when situation. If any one of us sins, we have an advocate. Amen? But it should be strange. I didn't say it should be impossible. It's possible. You can act unlike yourself. We pay people to act like things all the time. My favorite example, Johnny Depp is not a pirate. And yet, pretty convincing. Gets paid a lot of money to do it. Is he ever going to become an Elizabethan age pirate? Like truly, is he ever actually going to be one? If anyone's going to become one, it's him, right? Like nobody else has put in that much effort. Nobody else is. In the same way, you are no longer a sinner. You cannot become something that he has killed when God gives sin a death sentence, he means it. He carries it out. It's over. Why, why all this? Why? Why do we have to consider ourselves dead to sin alive to God? Because in union, you're supposed to bear fruit. A husband and a wife, not every husband and wife will have children. I'm saying in the mass, the majority of them are made, that union is made to recreate, Right? to procreate, to bear fruit. And in a spiritual sense, we also, the bride of Christ, are supposed to be in union, intimate covenant with the bridegroom king in such a way that we bear fruit. But if you don't believe you're one with God, you ain't bearing no fruit. There's only one kind of fruit bearing intimacy. Right? It's oneness. No other way to do it. No other way. I see you blushing. All right, Romans 7, verse 4. I'm not making this up. It's Romans 7, verse 4. It says, Likewise, my brothers and sisters, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Our union with him is supposed to be empowerment for the harvest. Our union with him is so that we can have a production, something to come out of us. Many of you in this room are the fruit of my union with Christ. I've discipled people in this room, some of you, for years into freedom, into wholeness. It's not because I did it. I'm declaring what Jesus said. I'm just saying, here's what it actually says. The gospel does the work. Can anyone testify to that, that the gospel has done the work in your life in here under this ministry? That's. It's not me. It's I'm obeying the commands of Scripture. Consider yourself this way. Think about yourself this way. All right, one more passage of Scripture. You guys okay? All right. <laughs> Our union with him is empowerment for the harvest. It's actually going back to John 17, just two verses, three verses. John 17, 21 through 23, different translation. It say, He said this, I pray for them to be joined together as one, even as you and I, are. the Father, are one. Joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize You sent me. Did you hear that? It's empowerment for the harvest. If we believe we're one with Him, if we participate in union with Him, fruit happens. You know? You just get pregnant with the promises of God and you start to bear fruit. Some of you are starting to show your walk is changing. You know? You're a little more gentle than when I first met you, you're a little more kind, a little more patient. Some of y'all about to pop. Like, you can't help yourself but love everybody who comes around you. Your back's hurting. You're, you're loving people so much. You're like, I just love you. <laughs> Come on. For the very glory you've given to me, I've given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. He's talking about him and the Father. You live fully in me. Listen to this. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. Would you just believe that today? Gosh, just say with me, Jesus, you live fully in me. You live fully in me. I'm in you. You're in me. We are one. Come on. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passion of love that you have for me. How will they see that the Father loves us the same way he loves Jesus? By the way we love one another. The only way we'll love one another is if we receive the love from the Father that we're one with. Are you hearing me today? There's no other way into this thing. Like we want Christian unity? Forget it without believing in union. We will never be unified if we don't believe in the union of Christ and the church. Ever. That is the the precursor. That's the flow of this thing. You and I, because of Jesus, we are one with the three in one, now and forevermore. As we believe that, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. You know how this ministry is going to grow? We become believers. You know how the gospel is going to go forth in Tampa? Somebody believes it. And believing it in such a way that they declare it with boldness, not caring how many heresy hunters type on Facebook. I'm looking at you. When I talk to them, they send me less messages. It's a a strategic thing. Like, oh, he sees us. They stop typing. It's weird. No more partial gospels. The good news is that we are one with the three in one not of our doing we simply believed he did it <laughs> we believe it is finished and we get to experience the joy of the father the son and the spirit we get to be brought into that the dance of the divine where dust and deity mingle as one amen that's the state of your union the state of our union it's the truth Nothing but the truth, so help me God. Let's stand. We're going to have our prayer team come forward. And if you're here, maybe you believe the partial gospel. Hey, listen, we all did it one time. No problem. Maybe you're here and you're like, I I just want you to close your eyes honestly. And only you know. Only you know what you believe. Only you and the Father know. If you're here and you've never believed the good news (laughs) that Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Today's your day to be a believer. Today's your day to step into faith. Today's your day to experience his kindness and mercy and grace in a real tangible way, in a way you could almost touch and feel. Because every single person in here, we know this, has been separated by our own sin. We've all done wrong things, but nothing you've done wrong can outdo what he did right. And he's inviting you to change the way you think about yourself, about him, so that you walk in a new way. So you just search your own heart. And Father, I pray right now by the power of your spirit, if there are any here who don't know you, truly know you and know your gospel and know your salvation, I pray today would be their day. They would come to this team as soon as we're done. Lord, draw all men to yourself. Only you can do it. But I pray for the salvation of each one under the sound of my voice. Even online, I pray for the salvation of each one who watches this later. I pray for true, real redemption to be wrought on our behalf in these moments. And Father, I ask that you would just send us now, Lord those of us who have believed. You would send us as those who declare the goodness of God. That we would proclaim the excellencies of Him who brought us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And we wouldn't care who notices. We wouldn't care who takes offense. We would proclaim with boldness that Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be whole. Jesus is Lord of all. He's the Lord of my heart. He's the Lord of this city. He's the Lord of the earth. He's the Lord of the universe. And He is beckoning all to come to him God I pray for empowerment for the harvest right now come on somebody you want that empower us with boldness for the harvest Lord that our love would be bold that our love would entice that it would invite people into union with you and God I pray you would show us by your word you would lead us you would be the voice that tells us which way to go we open our ears to you Jesus to guide us to lead us and we ask you to give us eyes to see the broken eyes of compassion to see those who don't know you who are in a living hell and heading towards an eternal one god would you give us eyes to see them and a solution for them care for them and care for one another and lord lead us in your truth god let 2024 be the year of the word let it be the year of the word bringing empowerment for the harvest lord we say yes to your word come on somebody We say yes to your word. I'm not trying to hype you. I'm boldly entreating you. Say yes to him today. Say yes to his truth. It's the truth unto eternity. It is eternal life in Christ Jesus now and forevermore. Father, we thank you for it. We receive it, Lord, not of ourselves and not for ourselves, but unto your name, unto your glory. You're the best kept secret in the church, and we're going to let you out of the box. We thank you, Lord, for all of our spiritual fathers and mothers that have come before us. We honor the legacy of faith we come from. But Lord, I ask for a purification of your gospel. A purification of the good news. A right mind. A clear mind. A sound mind to understand and declare the truth of what you've done. So that you may get your full reward. May the Lamb receive the reward of its suffering. Father. You've given us such an incredible gift to know you. God, I pray every day we would begin with the first things, our first thought, our first words, our first praise unto your name. Let the first things be yours, first of every part of our lives. Whoo! Jesus, we ask you, just to continue to open us, expand us from the inside out to know you and to know your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hope that was helpful. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.